I'll, I'll go to space. Sure. I think that'd be so cool. Send me to space. Send me to transcend me. It's time to get things started with how to survive the modern world or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement presented by tribe74.com. Hey Rob, how's it going, buddy? Well, I am actually having a pretty cool day. I've been uh, looking at some awesome stuff on the internet. I don't know. Uh, it's it's been kind of cool. Some seeing some really cool stuff. And uh, what about you? What how are you doing today? No, it's been a great week. Um, lots been going on out uh, out on Disney Plus in the Marvel world. Excited to uh, be chatting about that today. Fairly, fairly relaxed. I'll be honest. Speaking of Disney, and I, I'm not. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong on this part. But wasn't Hannah Montana a part of Disney back in the day? Yeah, I think so. Actually, that's where we first discovered Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter, Miley Cyrus. Or not? I don't. I'm not saying I discovered her by any means. No, no, because I don't think you brought her to the world. Because otherwise, you probably wouldn't want to be hosting a a podcast with me. To be honest, you'd probably be hosting it with like her, maybe one of her dancers, something like that. I'll tell you, Miley is an exciting, exciting human being. And I think we need to talk about her uh, on, on a future show. I don't think today we're going to talk about it, but I, I got to talk about. She's got some street cred. She's got street cred. She, she's, she's talented. Miley dropped a huge bomb. And I think maybe a week and a week and a half ago where she did a cover version of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. My goodness, it blew me out of the water. I'm a huge... I haven't seen it yet. I'm a huge uh, Metallica fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, people probably jump on and say, oh my God, Miley Cyrus, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, Miley Cyrus, uh, she she's worked for like with Metallica, you know, doing like tributes and stuff like that. She's always stated that she likes rock music and stuff like that. And she, she lives a rock and roll lifestyle by any means. But... She goes and gets completely. She gets Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers on drums, Robert Trujillo from Metallica on bass guitar, Yo Yo Ma, who is, I believe, he's a cellist or a, a, a violinist. A cellist. Yeah. He's a cellist. Yeah. Famous cellist. Elton John on piano. And somebody named Watt. I, I don't know who Watt is. I'm assuming they're playing the guitar. Uh, and they cover this song and they blow this song out of the water. Oh, I'm, de I'm definitely watching this video right, uh, right after our show. Yeah. For, for warning, the, the video is pretty cheese. It's, it's, oh, don't, oh, that's okay. don't worry about the video so much, but the, the song, like, I mean, you, even if you pull it up on Spotify and listen to it, just, you know, get in the car, crank the bass up. It is. Oh my goodness. Like she takes a song that, I mean, this is, this was a song that my wife and I had at our wedding song and, it was just like phenomenal. It was fantastic. Like, you know, this Metallica fan. Well, I mean, when you put all of those people together in one room, you, you can't help but have something great. Exactly. And Miley's voice is just fantastic. Just fits the song perfectly, fits the style perfectly. Wow. I'm shocked. Man, that's pretty cool. Now, that was a lot of blathering on for the start of our show. Andrew, what is on the topic list tonight? Okay. So we are talking Gary V. Uh, we will be discussing top three new tech and Marvel Universe's Black Widow. What do you think? I think this is going to be a great show. I, I saw a video today that's going to make me that makes me very excited. And I think I want to have a solid discussion about Black Widow. 
Oh, completely. Yeah. So let's kick it off. Tell me who is Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk, as people might know. So I had discovered him just on uh, on the on YouTube, I guess. First off, is how I came across him. I think it was one of my brothers that actually sent me a video. I actually just thought that he was just uh, another one of those self-help guys that uh, were there to encourage you and and uh, your your progress in life. But the dude is a whole lot more than that. How did you come to know him? Uh, same, same story, uh, basically. But I, I was, I always like to, on occasion, look through self-help uh, videos. Not not self-help. Like, I guess that's a, the, the terminology, self-help. But uh, inspirational, motivational videos. Just stuff to try to get me motivated to do some work and stuff. Because I have a tendency to procrastinate, if you haven't noticed that. No, I watch a lot of, or sorry, I shouldn't say I watch. I listen to a lot of his podcasts for inspiration you know, brainstorm day-to-day ideas. I would probably say that I've been inspired mentally by him um, to encourage my kids to kind of take this same kind of look that he does. Uh, it's kind of too late for me in my life. And he talks about that. Like, you know, do you want this when you're 40, blah, 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 blah. And we're, we're that age now, you know, we're, we're settled down and a lot of stuff and we missed out on a lot of our lives because we didn't really live it the way that he kind of talks. And he's the same age as us. I mean, he's a, he's a, a Gen Xer just like us. And he, he kind of says that, you know, you have to make sure that you're working for yourself, whether it's, you know, entrepreneurship or doing jobs that you want to do. And he talks about like people who make $50,000 less. Uh, I'm just kind of grabbing that number out of the air, but $50,000 less than they would be if they had their normal career. And they're so much happier and so much fulfilled, so much more fulfilled in life. And this is one of the things that he really preaches on. He says, you, yes, you have to work hard at what you want to do, but you want to make sure that you're doing what you want to do and that you'll be a fuller, more satisfied person, you know, because at some point, you know, you're, you're going to be, a, you're going to have to take responsibility for yourself. And he just, he states it and, one of the criticisms uh, that I've, I've read about him is that he's very harsh and very blunt about it. He's vulgar too, but yeah, but I, but I think the message is there. Yeah. And I think what people don't realize that he's just not a self-help guru. He he's actually done it. He has grown businesses right from zero to a hundred and so he's he's just not talking out of his backside and this isn't an individual that was great in school but this was a man and actually a teenager that uh, dove into his family business and just learned everything about wine and he grew his family's business when the internet first became a thing in the 90s and grew that from doing like $3 million in business up to $60 million in business over a five-year period. Like, this is incredible. Then not only does he do that, he has his own advertising agencies, uh, Vanner Media, and he's got offices in New York, LA, London, and Singapore. Uh, Van- 
Vanner Media. It's part of the Vanner X holding company. And uh, part of that, there's uh, Vayner Productions, Gallery Media Group, the Sasha Group, Tracer, uh, Vanier Speakers, uh, Vanier Talent, Vanier Commerce. But I mean, so this, this guy has done it. He's just not that self-help guru that everybody might expect that he is in the beginning. Yeah, because he kind of comes across a little bit like that, right? Where people, but one of the things that he's said and that he's always been against is he doesn't want to be a motivational speaker or a self-help person, but people come to him because they see what he's done and they believe in what he says. And to be honest, like every criticism that I read on him, I wanted to dig the dirt up on him a little bit to see, because I mean, how is somebody so good like that? So perfect. Like he comes across is that there, the criticisms are fall flat because he's not saying anything that's untrue and he never lies about it, at least on the, on the outside or, or he, he's proven himself. And, and he says to him that, that he's not left for want. He's motivated. He's driven. And he just wants to get to the next step and he will do anything that it takes to get to the next step. And, but, but he doesn't hold on to things that uh, will hold you down. You know I mean, like he doesn't, he's not, he's not like me, you know, like a, a household full of collectibles and stuff like that. Like, he's just like, I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm not left wanting. He just wants to continue moving forward and he wants to live the fullest life that he can possibly have. And that those are amazing, amazing words to live by. Yeah, he's quite a quite an interesting dude. Like he seems to always be at the forefront of everything that's going on. And I think he spends a lot of time just learning about new uh, new artists um, that are coming out. Esports, they're hot right now. NFT investing and digital communications, like he's always seems to be so spot on with with the now well he he's like one of the, and i believe derek one of our former guests had, had mentioned that gary v is at the forefront of you know the nft uh thing and he's been at the, the forefront of the bitcoin and the cryptocurrency uh business since the get-go uh and well he was he's what he's made he's worth over 100 million dollars just from having that presence and presence of mind uh, to be aware and invest in the right things and stuff like that, he's only going to get bigger. And that's the one thing that he talks about. Like he, he even talks about owning the, uh, the New York jets, the uh, NFL team, you know, that's, that's his goal. And he's, he's, yeah. he's a third of the way there, but <laughs> <laughs> he's not quite there yet. Right. He, he does understand that it's perhaps a little bit out of his grasp at this point, but, but it, it, it is still a dream. But, but, but if, it's, if it's out of his grasp, I mean, was the $60 million uh, that he turned his parents' business into, was, I can't remember, it was 60 oh. million, like over five years? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, absolutely. He probably never thought that that was possible. And he can invest because he's made that $100 million. He can invest large lumps of money into these investments or into these uh, early go-getters like, you know, like cryptocurrency and, and NFTs and stuff like that. He can invest a lot of money into that and reap huge payouts because of that. Do you ever listen to any of his podcasts? 
I haven't listened to any of his podcasts, but I've watched a ton of his videos and I've, yeah. I've even watched him and, and listened to Joe Rogan talk about him and stuff. And, and Joe Rogan talks like him as well, very much like him. Yeah, you're right. Just, you know, right off the cuff and just this is the way it is and this is how I feel about it. He's actually got three different podcasts. He's got the Gary V audio experience and that's where I got to know him a little bit more. And that is often where I go for inspiration, but he's also just started props and drops with uh, what he does with a co-host Matt uh, Kalish. And I think he's from one of the big uh, gambling uh, websites. Um, I can't remember the, the name of the company off the top of my head, but it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I think they kind of talk a lot about, you know, different ways to invest and stuff like that. Like, you know, NFT sports cards and just weird, weird stuff, I guess, that doesn't doesn't really come to um, the, the forefront when you're thinking about investing in your, in your future. Uh, then he also has Gary V curse free. Um, as you had mentioned, he, He's vulgar. <laughs> he, he does curse a lot. <laughs> But so what, what this is, it they've, I guess they've cut out the cursing. I've actually never listened to that version because quite honestly, I suspect that it's the, the Gary V audio experience and just cut out the cursing, which would be my thought, yeah. but <laughs> I need to, I actually do need to give it, give it a try just to see if he's talking about different stuff. He's so driven. And I'm trying to remember there was something that he'd said uh, about being an entrepreneur and having a high level of success that the, one of the biggest things, and this is really important. And I try to live my life like this. It's really hard now, especially nowadays in, in the current political situation that we're in, but he says, don't give a crap about what everybody else says. People are investing all their energy into negativity, into toxicity, into taking other people down but he doesn't care what people think. You know, he doesn't let people think of him, what people think of him. He doesn't let that dictate what his moves are, how he's going to make his various business ventures. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people get into the heads of, of their friends and family members and tell people, oh, well, that's a silly idea. Why, why would you waste your time with that? That's never going to go anywhere. And he's been a man that has ignored that. You wonder, one, is it because this man can do it because he's worth $100 million, Or is he now worth $100 million because he ignored them? He, he stated a lot of times, he says, put your freaking phone down and, you know, get off social media. Because what you've done is, uh, and most people have done it, and I guess say people talk about it as a sickness or whatever, you, you build an alter ego for yourself on social media. And this is where he's different because he, he doesn't care. He, he's himself, whether he's on social media or whether he's at home, you know, he's the same person. And he says that too many people are focused on how they are on social media for, and it's completely different than how they are at home. And so they spend so much time trying to build that personality on social media, but there's nothing there for you other than customers. And that's the way that should be treated. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it, and the other thing is that people who tag on to you or, you know, they want to be there when you're successful and they will hang on every word you say when you're successful. But as soon as you fail, 
they're gone. And you don't need yeah. that weight bearing you down, right? Don't worry about what others around you think or what or how they think about what you're doing. You keep doing what you're doing if you feel it's right. And, you know, he said he made that there were investments that he made because he believed that they would work. Well, people told him that those investments were a bad idea, but he still made them. That was his decision. And when those succeeded or when those failed, you know, those people were, you know, off busy doing other things that weren't important to him. Again, the, the big point being that those people will be gone as soon as you fail. Otherwise, or they'll just, you know, they'll kick dirt in your face and they won't be helping you up. But believe me, if you're, if you're up there and you're, you're succeeding, they're going to be there right behind you for sure. I want to run one on for the good ride. <laughs> well, I had a friend that a coworker, uh, I considered him a friend at the time and, and he'd, yeah. he'd won uh, the lottery. It was at the time it was $8 million Canadian, which is like 12 cents American, but right. $8 million. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal here. Very big deal. It was a, it was a huge lottery at the time. He, he had won on the Friday night and our shift was on Sunday nights. We started working Sunday nights and he shows up to work with coffee for everybody. He hadn't cash his ticket in. He didn't go. He was, he was waiting to go get his ticket and all that stuff. Cause he couldn't do it on the weekend, but he showed right. up at work with a bunch of coffee, bags of creamers and stuff. Like we had to make our own coffees or whatever. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, exactly. But whatever. Right. He showed up. He didn't have to come. In, he didn't have to come into work. He didn't even have to show up to work because he was a millionaire. He didn't need to come slave away like us anymore. And yeah. we, we sat there and we, we shut everything down and we sat there for a couple hours, just talked to him. You know, we were excited. Everybody's excited for him going, Oh, what are you going to do with your money? What are you doing there? What are you doing here? As soon as he left the building, as soon as he walked out, I had a guy come over to me and says, you could have at least given us like $10,000 or something. <laughs> we could have at least, you know, got our, our specific order of coffees. Right. You know? And it was just like, I was like, I, I was, just, you know, like my, my mouth had just kind of dropped open. I'm like, seriously, this guy, you should be happy for. He got out of the dredge, and yeah, exactly. But he he had the decency just to bring his coffee. He didn't have to do that, and he sat there and talked, and he didn't rub it in our faces. He was just you know, we were sharing time with him because we were we were friends because we all worked together, and yeah, it that moment made me realize that screw everybody else because all they <laughs> want to do is drag you down mm -hmm. or live off of off of your back exactly. I was one of those guys that I, you know, back in the day, I'd be like, yo, if I win the lottery, I'm going to, you know, you're, I'm going to buy you a car. I'm going to buy you a house. I'm pointing this, 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 you know, the whole Oprah Winfrey thing. Right. And then it was that day I'd said, never again, am I ever going to talk like that? Because that is garbage. Like that yeah. people would turn around and like, just like, you know, go off on him because he didn't give them something. And it made me realize that that whole thing is that they talk about money changes people. Or, mm -hmm. or people change right because of money it's not the person with the money that changes necessarily it's the people around you that change yeah gary v kind of says don't worry about what other people think you make the decisions that you make obviously you want it you want to know what experts think with their opinions but in that regard he's talking about don't worry about what people think of you specifically yeah but let's be honest most of the people that are giving you their opinion aren't experts well yeah, that's that's very very well hit, right <laughs> what what really is an expert yeah uh and, and probably gary v is probably this person this is probably a philosophy that he'd fall behind is that you always can improve you can always yeah, i don't he, he doesn't even think that he's at the top right now no. and which is great 
He's always moving forward. He doesn't think that this is the best work that he's ever done and that he ever can do, but he just keeps going. He doesn't even stop to think about that. And, you know, which is a great way to, to look at life, to look at business. And it's just going to push you forward. You know, uh, definitely, if you're looking for somebody inspirational to listen to, yes, he does curse a little bit, but you got to check out his YouTube shows, check out the Gary V audio experience. If you're, if cursing bothers you, then check out Gary V curse free. <laughs> I'll kind of lead this into the next topic here, but he, he was talking and one, one thing that I was watching him, he was, he was doing a talk with a few people and he was saying that he had the opportunity to invest in Uber. He didn't. But he said that he had he invested the the right amount of money uh, that he or the regular amount of money that he puts into his investments, he would have four hundred million dollars just in Uber right now. And he said, I mean, he's not perfect, and not nobody is perfect, and everybody everybody is. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll quote Gary V. Everybody's shitty. <laughs> you want to be less shitty than the next person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of technology and investing in technology, uh, let's hit our next topic. We're going to talk about XR, extended reality, Windows 11, and nanobots. Not in that, yeah. not in that order. I was just going to say, do we want to jump in on Windows 11? Yeah, let, let's clear that out of the way. Because uh, have you done any research on Windows 11 at all? Not a lot. From what I gather, though, it seems like they're now trying to catch up with the the mac experience yeah i think what they so this is a thing and and people hate microsoft and they love to hate microsoft and love to hate windows and i don't blame them everybody remembers windows 8 all right that was a garbage <laughs> garbage operating system and they they thankfully fixed it with windows 10 but i'll tell you what one of the things that, that windows or that microsoft has been doing is that and, and you can look at the xbox as an example is that they want your multimedia experience to be all in one they want everything yep. to be symbiotic just like venom they want everything just to kind of merge together right and they talk about trying to have it so that it's a more user-friendly experience by allowing you to have your android apps work through it the new the new operating system having uh more accessibility to like a, a program like called uh, windows teams or microsoft teams whatever that is it's just basically like zoom or skype yeah which is weird because microsoft purchased skype so it's kind of weird that they're it may have been just for the technology who knows they're adding teams to to all the i guess to it's integrated into windows 11 anyway yeah there's messaging involved with that as well too they're taking a more aesthetic approach uh, like Mac, like Apple, and I guess they're trying to, and and, and they're integrating also Xbox uh, uh, Game Pass, and they're you know, which is really yeah, cool. Now you do have to buy the the Game Pass um, to to open up that that portion of it, but they they do really want to you know, integrate that all together, so you can essentially be gaming wherever. Uh, look, honestly, if you're a gamer and you don't have Game Pass, or you know, even the play the yeah. PlayStation version, but if you don't have Game Pass, you're not a gamer. No, exactly. So anybody that cares about that already has game. Exactly, apps. right? Like when, when we're, we're talking about console <laughs> gaming, obviously. Well, exactly. Like if if you're not playing 
if you're not playing xbox this doesn't mean anything to you anyway but if you are an xbox player then you already have this and so it is now it's now a benefit i i wait with bated breath i don't intend obviously i don't think our computers at the moment can we'd have to like basically upgrade our computers again yeah that's the other thing is essentially gosh i think you have to be probably something newer than a 2017 computer to even be able to handle uh windows windows 11 yeah and i think they're talking like you have to have a ryzen uh graphics card integration and stuff like that and it's a little tech heavy but from what i understand like and i watched a few videos and a lot of mac users are just fully integrating over to windows now because they're like well mac is just not trying for performance anymore like even if you yeah. look at their like their thin laptops and their and their iPads and stuff like that, there's no processing power in that, and that's a the GPUs are just not keeping up with capability, or at least being able to expand on on your system. Like their high max high end computer, which you essentially have to pay over ten thousand dollars for. Yes, you can get into expandable stuff. Well, the normal person doesn't have. Ten to twelve thousand dollars to drop on a computer, you know that teenager that's been working all year because he wants his computer. Well, he can go out and he can buy his PC, and he can build on that PC. Whereas, often your Macs, well, you get what you get in the box, and that's it. And they're proprietary too, which means if you want, mm-hmm. if you want to upgrade, well, we have a limited selection of stuff that you can upgrade with. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've got a Mac in the house, but my, my big system is, is a PC and it's just for that because I want power. I want it to be fast. I want to be, uh, to be able to edit video and, and audio. And I can, I can grow this system, even though it's already a killer system, but I can take it even further beyond. If I go out and, and buy a Mac, I can't do that. And I think that's kind of what Windows 11 is, is looking more for the future in integration and interchangeability, which is really, really important, especially for people like us in the industry uh, of not necessarily gaming, but now we can game uh, people in the industry of uh, editing, you know, uh, video or photos and stuff like that. And yeah, uh, it's trying to streamline that. The one thing that always bugged me about how Windows does things, though, is with a new kind of tile system, and they're trying to make it like the usability of a phone. Yeah, essentially, I think that's what it's doing. It's giving giving it the same look as uh, as your as your phone, as your tablet, and so they want to have that that user friendly portability idea as soon as you turn on the computer. Yeah, I think they're they're really going for the portability. Yeah. And I I understand that if you you use your phone for a game here or there, or you use it for checking your social media and stuff like that. But for power users, you know, people who really have their PC as a business machine or as a a, a creative machine, I don't buy that. Yeah. That's one of the things too that uh, Windows also is working towards a uh, mesh have you heard of mesh no so mesh is basically it's extended reality mixed reality 
with what they call, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's virtual presence. And so you would have meetings where everybody is there. You, you're, you're using the glasses, you're using the virtual reality glasses or the, uh, sorry, the augmented reality glasses. And everybody that you would want to be at a meeting would almost be like, as if they were there. They would all have their like their physical presence in the form of a, of a, a person or like a, a, a figure. Oh, can I build a character? Like, can yeah. I show up as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Possibly something in commando, possibly something like that. I, I, obviously I don't think it goes, it's, it's more like, you know, like the Nintendo me, okay. me system, you know, the, the, the very simple yeah. looking figures, but you can actually interact with each other, like on projects. So you'd have like a, an augmented reality or a mixed reality project in front of you right so you'd have like let's say the diagram of a uh, a 3d diagram of a car or an engine let's say an engine right and every person here at this at this mixed reality meeting or on this windows mesh can now manipulate that engine together isn't that crazy yeah so it's not just like you and i like you know sitting here talking watching each other on zoom we actually interact with each other you know so we could have like a a, a virtual apple pie in front of us and i could take a piece out and then you could take a piece out and we both receive the same information from that that just crazy it seems crazy to me but awesome and that leads into the whole extended reality tech that we're going to talk about too so extended, yeah. extended reality is basically it's just the the over encompassing name for mixed reality virtual reality augmented reality but the things that they're doing with virtual reality they say by 2025 Virtual reality is going to be so immersive. The hardware is going to be so immersive. Then they're talking about having like a, a multi or a unidirectional or multi-directional like treadmill that you can do. So one of the biggest complaints about virtual reality is that, you know, people get uh, a motion sickness from using a joystick to move their character, right? So mm. the only thing that you really control with your virtual reality is you're looking around, right? Or you might have one free hand, but the other one has to use a joystick or whatever or the two joystick wands that they have with PlayStation. But now uh, a crowdfunding toy or utility was called a, uh, I, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was a multi-directional treadmill where you could just stand on it and it have you tie, tethered in and you could squat down and it would like follow your movements and all that stuff. And then you wouldn't have to have those controllers in your hand anymore so you could walk. Yeah, have you seen, have you seen Ready Player One? Uh, yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah, just like that. Yes, that that was actually so the the article I was watching or the, the video I was watching mentioned Ready Player One, and uh, I, there was a anyway there was a, a crowdfunding that apparently within I don't know if it was something ridiculous like within five minutes or five days or five hours or something it was funded, and was funded by like a like millions over top of what they originally wanted. And you, like I said, you, you're tethered in. You have your virtual reality mask on and you're, you know, you're able to walk around and make movements and all that stuff without having to have those wands or joysticks. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to be sitting almost like on a giant mouse ball. Uh, essentially. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how fit would we all be? Uh, the Wii was the first kind of like consumer product that really tried the whole reality motion, getting people up and not, yeah. not sitting down playing video games anymore. Uh, but they've never really expanded on that too much, right? Like, I mean, PlayStation tried with the, the virtual reality. Yeah, like, I guess it's all about, you know, the first steps. Yeah. And then you build and build and build. 
until you get to a point that you have something great. Well, the biggest thing more so than anything is the price, right? Going from going from the, the product and the prototype and the understanding and the technology and bringing it to a price that is affordable and manageable to well, yeah. everybody at home. And that's where, that's where they're aiming. But I was, I, from what I understand by 2025, we should have fully immersive virtual reality. Yeah. That's going to be crazy. And with people like Elon Musk kind of stepping in and throwing out these new type of things like Neuralink. Have you heard about Neuralink? Yeah, that, that, so Neuralink, that's, that's one of his other companies, one of his other brain uh, childs. Yeah. I sent you a video today that really, that gave me chills. So tell me about that. I came across this thing, Neuralink. I said, oh, Neuralink. I remember something about Neuralink and Elon Musk or whatever. So I wonder what it's got to do with VR or XR. So mm -hmm. I click on the link and there's a monkey who had two anodes or two uh, elements uh, uh, surgically implanted into his brain and would read certain waves or wavelengths from the monkey's brain. They would take computer algorithm and they would program it so that it would, he could virtually control something with just his mind. So what they had, they had it set up. So they had a computer screen in front of him and he had Pong, you know, the old, the old Atari game or the pre, yeah. the, the first video game Pong. Our first video game in the house. And he had a joystick on one side and then he had a tube that would feed him smoothies every time he did something right. And this is how he learned. Yeah, nice banana smoothie. That's a pretty good re reward as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, they could put a couple anodes in my brain and, you know. Give me some banana smoothie. Yeah, if I do good things, I don't do good things, so I would <laughs> never get it. But anyway, so, you know, they just basically, they're just following the, the monkey's pattern, brain waves, as he was using the joystick to move a cursor around and click on these different squares and stuff. They, they use a computer to, to, to read the algorithms and understand the brain functions. So they unplug the joystick and he continued to use a joystick, but there was nothing that was controlling the, the, uh, the cursor, but it was still moving. It was coming from his, it brain. was coming from his brain. Eventually they took away the joystick altogether and he's sitting there controlling pong paddles. And so the pong paddles are going up and down with no joystick and just the monkey's uh, brain waves or, or wavelengths unbelievable and this is this is the next step for true extended reality this is the next step for you know medical science yeah like i mean it's not going to be for gamers at least definitely not at this point but the whole thought is, is that this is going to be able to be used with people that have paralysis and not only can they uh, read signals, but they can also send back signals and it can be used also with prosthetic devices. This, this is what we've been waiting for. This is yeah. the cyborg reality that we've been waiting for. At least the way that I think Elon Musk thinks. He's not thinking about the specific thing that he's working on that day. He's thinking about it as, okay, I need to start here to get to point x in my space travel program and you start to wonder what is this the beginning of transcendence so the idea that we don't physically need to be here to be able to operate control ourselves and our decisions and they're talking about the the real fountain of youth we won't need exactly um we won't need our phones that are slowing us down, typing in information. It will, it will be right in 
right in their heads. And our bodies, our bodies are, and this is maybe one theory that I understand is that our bodies are limited. We're limited in what we can do, right? So whether whether you're mm-hmm. you're paraplegic or whether you're just uh, like a, a person with, with full full ability, you will eventually die. You will get sick. You will die. Age will progress. You you won't be able to do half the things you were doing before, but eventually you'll die. So what happens to your consciousness? What happens to your mentality? Right? It it, it basically you know if if you believe science, it comes to a dead end. You're done. Yes. But the perception that your uh, consciousness, you know, especially with this this whole idea of extended reality uh, and and Neuralink, is that as long as your brain can survive, right? You know, put it in a jar, you can continue to live your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your body's useless now; it's waste. Throw it away. I don't need it. I just need my Neuralink, and I'm golden. I can communicate with the world. They even said that, like, you know, they've looked at, like, you know, people who are dead and that there's still brainwave activity in certain aspects and stuff like that. So they're onto something now. It's scary. It's creepy. But at the same time, I mean, the potential, like, I sometimes wonder, you know, when I die in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. what am I going to miss? And I think of the things that have been accomplished in the last, like, century, right? Could you imagine like if you were back in the, you know, like 1904 or let, let's say World War One, you know, and you're thinking about all the things that, you know, you know, that, that they'd accomplished up to that point. And then if you take that person from World War One and you put them in front of a computer right now, kind of like the Austin Powers, the Captain America thing, like how mind boggling would that be? And that's like, I'm, I'm, I want to know, I want to know what's going to happen a hundred years down the road. Oh yeah, completely. Okay. So so 20 years down the road, let's say that they've developed uh, this into something that can go into anybody's head. Are you getting one? Probably. I'm at the point in my life, like when my, when my kids are growing and they've, they've moved on and their lives are established, I'll, I'll go to space. Sure. I think that'd be so cool. Send me to space. Send me to transcend me. Put nanobots inside of me. You know, they're talking about this technology now and it's, it's, it's really close. It's on the cusp. Put nanobots inside of me heal me up, make me move, make me go. Just as long as you're not sending me to work. I don't want to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go live in space. Now, having said that, I'd want to go with my family because once once you go there, you're probably, at least now, you're not going, probably not going to return. Yeah. In, in 15 years now, though, I mean, that internet connection is going to be really good. It's going to be 7G. Yeah. You know, there will be no latency between, you know, Hey, I'm going to talk to the kids back at home on earth. We'll be cutting out. Well, I'll be talking to the kids back. Oh, they'll, they'll, yeah. they'll be, they'll be on Mars. I'll still be stuck on earth probably. Cause I'm a fat lard. Uh, you're, you're not going to space. <laughs> you're going to have to pay for two seats. <laughs> you fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless I get those nanobots injected into my body that will medically make me less obese. Yeah. No, now nanobots there, the, the idea of nanobots that is just beyond me. I think it's absolutely crazy. So foreseeable that it, it's something that's going to help, help us medically. Well, and algorithms like, so, so one of the biggest issues that they're having is that they, they can't be controlled because they're so small. They can't be controlled like, you know, through like software or anything like that. So currently, you know, it's stuff like magnet, magnetic user controlled, like magnetics and stuff like that to, to get it from one point, 
point A to point B, but they've come up with some technology that's using algorithms. And then you'll have these like little things that are kind of like drilling up. I, I almost picture if you, if you remember the matrix, I don't know if you ever watched the matrix movies, yeah. but the, you know, the bots that were coming through that they were chasing them down and all that stuff. Right. And I almost picture something like that, where it just looks like this like little drill. It's just kind of like floating through your body, obviously in nanometers. They are trying to build algorithms, kind of like going back to this whole uh, Neuralink program algorithms into the the nanobots themselves so that they can actually be autonomous and be able to fix things or whatever or have like you know a doctor at least on the outside use some software to to guide them to the right spot and and swarming is is i guess a big part of that technology yeah and which is so cool the fact that they can actually go to the problem as opposed to currently where you know, consumer medicine, whether it's orally or uh, intravenously, and that it essentially goes throughout the body, the entire body during that process, then links onto whatever it needs to. The fact that they can be so specific, that blows my mind. Like we're, we're on the, we're on the cusp of, of nuclear science, both physical in nature, and then as well as mechanical in nature. And when those two can combine, when we get to that point where the mechanical is small enough that it can actually be you know, integrated, right? And we can almost say in a way that COVID mRNA vaccine is basically the medical version of what we need the nanobots to do mm-hmm. is impressive. So we're there, we're there scientifically, if, if you believe, buy into the whole mRNA thing. I mean, we're not going to get into the scamdemic, but uh, the... <laughs> the idea if they can get that technology small enough and look at they've gone from like massive walls of computers to something that fits in our pocket so this whole tech thing it is something with that both of us are geeking out about hard it's definitely going to be something that you're going to be hearing more from us moving forward more about new technology whether that is for medical reasons or just computer gaming reasons but you're going to be hearing a lot more tech from our channel. I, I was a I was a big popular science nerd back in uh, the mid 90s. I'm kind of slowly coming back into that. I'm looking forward like especially nowadays with like like I said with Neuralink and nanobots and extended reality. The future is looking exciting. Let's jump into Black Widow. Black Widow just hit the theaters or your TVs for uh download this past weekend. I've seen it. You've seen it. What do you think? Let's transcend into Black Widow. <laughs> awesome opportunity there, but you took over. <laughs> yeah, no sorry, no sorry, sorry, sorry. No you needed to be jump on it quick. I know. Apparently, I, I got. I was just. I was just so excited. Really, you know, my 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 nipples were hard, and I was just like, oh, and I lost it. <laughs> you left sitting alone in a corner. That's what happens when you get old. How did you feel about Black Widow? I loved it. I thought it was a great action movie. I think there was a lot of. Uh, it was definitely a women empowerment movie, movie story. You could see that as soon as they reintroduced um, her sister, Yelena, yeah. again, and that everybody, every kick-ass character was a female character. But I didn't mind at all. I uh, I don't have any, I never have issues with, with the, the, the women empowerment things. I, I In Captain Marvel, I felt it was a little off and just kind of, bogus i haven't seen captain marvel and it never drew me in but this one everything that i was seeing i love action movies 
And that is exactly what this is. It is fight scenes almost from the, the, the word go. You know, you have a small family dynamic introduction at the beginning, but uh, then it just goes into action from that point forward. If you're thinking that you want a storyline that you're expecting that is going to move the entire Marvel series of movies forward, no, you're not going to get that. This is more of a, a side um, a side piece that really introduces more of the Black Widow side story. I still think it's a great movie. How about yourself? It, it gives a, it definitely gives a character some depth and tells you the background. I was sold on the first five, 10 minutes. But then after that, when she came back together with Yelena. Yes. It, it lost me. Did it? It really, really lost me. I thought that's when it started to get funny. Okay. So before before we go too far, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this, this will probably be airing in mid-July some point or maybe late July. If you haven't seen Black Widow, then you're going to want to turn it off because we'll be, we'll be dropping some major spoilers. Okay. If you want to know, then just keep listening. Or if you've already watched it and you just want to hear our opinion, that's great. So I watched actually watched a, uh, a Screen Rant video and I shared it on my social media uh, where they were talking about what the pitch meeting for Black Widow must have looked like. And my goodness, <laughs> they nailed every one of the plot holes. Oh, it was it was just so good. Like I mean, I, I'm going to forward you the link and you got to watch it and you okay. tell me that. Okay. Tell me that it is not spot on. It is actually how I feel about the movie in general. I just felt that. The dialogue between between uh, Yelena and Natasha, not good. It isn't a dialogue-driven movie. No. It's a completely an action-driven movie. If if you want something like that, you're watching the wrong movie, quite honestly. It's very rare. It's very rare that an action movie has great dialogue. I, I, I agree. I 100% agree. I, I as, a, as a an 80s action movie fan and aficionado, I don't expect a lot of, you know, great things coming out of the dialogue by any means, but I just felt it was really forced like the, 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 the barbs back and forth between her. So you, you know, you got this little bit of a rivalry between the two girls. I love Yelena. She sold me on this more than ScarJo and I love ScarJo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know what? I think we're going to be seeing more of her. We definitely are. Apparently she's going to be in the Hawkeye. She's uh, they're dropping her into the Hawkeye series or the Hawkeye movie. Yep. Look, I really wanted them to do justice for Scarlett Johansson or for, sorry, for, for Black Widow. Natasha Romanoff. Yes. They, they let it down. They let her down in, in this. And, you know, I wasn't expecting a, a Quentin Tarantino movie when, when I went into this. I wasn't expecting the great dialogue. I, I was just looking for action. I actually was. I was expecting them to do something better for her. And, and just so much that, I mean, okay, so here's a character that you killed off and she should have, we, everybody in the world agrees that she should have had this movie a long time ago, but yeah. they killed her off and this should have served as a tribute to her. Yeah. Would have been a really good opportunity for that. And, to, and tell me, I, I didn't realize this, but uh, young Natasha was played by Mila Jovovich's daughter. Oh, no way. And as soon as, as soon as somebody said that, as soon as I read about that, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. She looks exactly like Mila Jovovich when she was younger i didn't even realize though so, so young natasha <laughs> blue-haired natasha uh and but i thought that oh, that sequence was amazing like i mean right from like even the the intro credits like i got chills watching the intro credits it really made me feel of uh um you ever see the tv show true blood yeah a long time ago. yeah so so the opening credits of true blood were, were like so cool but they're they're just there was something about them that were really impactful and i felt that same way about 
uh, about Black Widow. But then, but even the, the the first five minutes of the movie where Dad comes home and then they have to escape and all that stuff, like that felt like a really solid. Like they should have almost stuck with that whole story, and I really felt a solid spy movie up until like Dad walks through the door. This seems like a very normal family. Yeah. He walks through the door. You see, uh, soon realize that this is not a normal family. Yeah. They've got one hour to bug out. They are Russian spies. Yeah. Like, but I just felt so good about that. And I'm going, this is going to be good. I was so excited about that. And then as soon as the two sisters meet up again, their, their, their reunion, they get in this like fight scene, which was a cool fight scene. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, the action scenes were were awesome. But they get in this fight, and I'm like, why are they fighting? I had no sense of why they were fighting. They don't trust each other, but it's like, well, why don't they trust each other? They're formerly sisters. Yes, they're they're from the red room. They're these trained, you know, super assassins. super assassins. Uh, why are they fighting specifically? Why are the two of them fighting? Well, I guess Natasha essentially left her behind she never communicated with her sister again after she got out of the red room and her sister went on just to become a, a baby assassin the greatest of all time child assassins but so i can understand you're right i don't disagree the fact that why they'd come out essentially guns blazing against each other in the beginning besides the fact just to have two beautiful women fighting each other it didn't seem like there was much beyond that. It seemed like that that perhaps was a little bit forced. <laughs> I felt that the dialogue between the two of them was very forced in that first bit. And that's what lost me. I like, even if, if, if the, maybe the dialogue was cleaner, like I would still would have been hanging on there, but then they go to the, uh, the prison, like the taskmaster was, was cool. I felt like it was like, you know, snake eyes from GI Joe, you know, the silent assassin. And okay. So let's back up before we get in into that. So who is the taskmaster? So the taskmaster in, in comic books. So it's different between comics and movies. It, a huge, it huge is. difference. <laughs> it is. Taskmaster. Well, I mean, let, let's, I mean, obviously comic books are obviously a little more out there and a little more extravagant. And, you know, the taskmaster, he doesn't have a face. He's his, his face is a skull. Right. So they kind of adapted that into the movie, and I'm cool with that. Like the costume was cool yeah. and all that stuff, and but but he was he's very vocal. He was awesome. Like he he could steal people's powers or adapt their powers. And obviously, I think they're trying to do that with uh, they're trying to make it a little more believable in the movie. It's like okay, so he's got like a computer system, you know, that would teach him how to take Captain America's shield or how to throw Captain America's shield, how to steal uh, Scar Joe's you know poses and stuff like that. You know, the, the joke, the running joke in the movie. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it seemed cool at first but but very very vocal character in the comic books and he's he's manipulative and he's kind of like he's like a baron zemo okay so when they what the the okay spoiler alert exactly if you know what if you're listening at this point we know you're in and then when they the big reveal that the swerve was that it was the daughter of general drakoff general drakoff who's the head of the widow program so when they revealed that it was his daughter it's like oh so corny like i would have figured they would they sure they could have brought her in but then it was like trying okay so then now now natasha doesn't have to feel guilty for killing a child yeah yeah but now she's like wrecked and <laughs> destroyed and and it's like but she didn't have a problem with it like you know 20 years ago when it happened or whatever right again i just i felt cheesy i felt let down and then the pheromone thing oh my god the worst trope 
you could have in a spy movie or uh, you know because i i knew it right you know okay so she, she how she she gets in here the whole mask thing not even we're not even going to talk about the whole like changing of identity thing but she gets in here and now she's got the opportunity to kill him and guess what i bet you can't pull she can't i bet you she can't pull that trigger i bet you she's not gonna be able to pull that trigger and oh general drakov's pheromones are too strong yeah in the screen rant in the screen rant uh thing that i was telling you about uh the guys go that uh oh well what if she was like you know 20 feet away i mean would she be able to kill him no the pheromones like two pheromones go that far (laughs) and it's like and then meanwhile she can't kill she can't kill him because of pheromones but then yelena has no problem killing him, you know, by dropping the or, or destroying the engine, right? So if ScarJo can't kill her, but Yelena, she had, but she had already been exposed to um, the the antidote at that point, so she could do it. She didn't have the broken nose, though. I don't think you needed to at that point. I think you just needed to be exposed to the antidote, or that was the other way to to kind of get beyond that was to uh, to actually break the the nerve. You break the the nerve. You break the nerve then you could actually do it. Hmm. Well, the fact that you had to explain that to me should tell you something. <laughs> and anyway, I, I thought it was one or the other. I think yeah. I thought that was a way. Okay. Around. Okay. That, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Let's, let's not talk about either, but the, the surgical precision of the nose break that, <laughs> that <laughs> Natasha had to do to, uh, to sever that nerve. I don't know of anybody that have severed their nerve in their nose from breaking their nose. Look, I smell my farts pretty good. So, mm-hmm. and I've had my nose broken. I'm not sure. You didn't sever an I nerve. I didn't sever an nerve. Like, yeah. You would have had to hit that pretty hard. Maybe I would have had to do, I would have had to been trained in the red room. I would think so. I don't want to criticize anymore, but. <laughs> okay. So let, let's go back to some of the fun okay. stuff. Though, okay. All right. Let, let's talk positive. Let, let's, let's talk, let's talk about the music. The, mo- the, the movie, it opens up with an American classic that everybody can associate with American Pie. I love the fact that she's listening to American Pie and she's seeing all of these great American sort of iconic ideas like the kids out playing football and stuff as she's being driven away back to her old life of being a Russian spy. I thought it was a really cool opening, great song. Once again, it's certainly not a song that was written for the movie. Now, everybody, as we've talked about in, in past podcasts, they go out and buy a song that's perfect, uh, you know, perfect for the movie. But I thought that was a, a fantastic song to, to have in there. And I like how, how they sang it together and stuff like that. And it, it, it added an element, sure, for the for the whole thing where, you know, they're, they all start singing the song. As when you say that, you're talking about when the Red Guardian, he's trying to um win her back say that yeah you know what you were important to me you're you're just you weren't another part of my mission i didn't absolutely hate being you know a family you you were important to Mm -hmm. me but he he did think that he had a greater purpose much like along the lines of captain america and he saw himself as being the the captain captain america of of russia so I really loved the take of Smells Like Teen Spirit in the credits. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. That, that was the other song that I had written down here as well, too. My son actually noticed that it was Nirvana within the first couple bars before I even did. I, 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 was, uh, I was pretty impressed with my son at that point. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
again, again, kind of talking about what we talked about previously uh, with uh, cover songs like with Miley Cyrus or whatever. I thought that this was a pretty cool cover song and how it fit. Not necessarily maybe that it was a good cover song, but that it fit with kind of like the the intro, uh, the the intro credits and stuff like that. I really felt that it was it was a cool take. Yeah. And what was interesting, I mean, it's often used as a song for teen rebellion and, mm-hmm. and identity expression, but the imagery that you were seeing at that point was all from the victims from the Red Room mm-hmm. and those young women losing their identity. Yeah. But I, I thought it was very well done, uh, something that I'm definitely have to gonna go download now to put into my my rotational playlist for sure it was i just loved it those were those were the really two big songs that's really stuck out to me from the movie and i want to go back and you know listen to the soundtrack and see all of the other or listen to all of the other songs that they put into it as well too but those are the two that really stood out to me so how did you feel about the ending so when we're talking, uh, when we're seeing, uh, we're seeing her sister. Is that when uh, we're sure. seeing her sister at the grave? Yeah. It depends on what part that we're talking about, because there's when her, uh, like that extra piece after the credits roll, yes. where Natasha visits, or sorry, I apologize, Yelena visits Natasha's grave uh, along yeah. with her dog. And, that, and that's where uh, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah, Constantina, Valentina, 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 Fontaine. Yes. When, when, when Val, when Val, you're not supposed to call her Val, when she right. shows up, uh, that actually, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it looks like it's leading towards Thunderbolts. Uh, I'm not sure if she's the person who put together Thunderbolts in the comics because I don't remember. So was US agent part of Thunderbolts? I think he was at one point. I think he was. Okay, because uh, she did recruit um the u.s agent at the end of the falcon and winter soldier yeah so apparently she wasn't supposed to be introduced until black widow but i guess they felt that they needed to have a hook on with the uh with u.s agent right yeah i really like the way that they did that i'll be honest that scene that's actually that's kind of one of the easter eggs that's in there she uh, as her dog gets out as the dog gets out of the vehicle the dog's name she calls her fanny and that was one of the identities that Rick Mason had provided Natasha as a part of a batch of fake IDs, which included this absurd name, Fanny Longbottom. And so that was one of those Easter eggs, the fact that she was now calling her dog Fanny. That's, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, like I, I absolutely love that. I think that's great. And it, I am so happy that Elena and I, the actress, uh, I, I don't remember the actress's name. Uh, I'm not sure how to say her last name, P-U-G-H. Hmm. Uh, she was uh, she was fantastic in that role. Um, she, she To me, she was the highlight of the movie. No, we're, we're going to be seeing more of her for sure. And I, I'm excited. It's kind of like uh, uh, Agent Carter's daughter or granddaughter, not Peggy Carter, the other Carter, Sharon Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like these, these are characters, these like fringe characters. Uh, obviously Elena is going to have more of a role than probably than, than Sharon Carter will. But I mean, some of these characters are just awesome, hot. And I mean, hot, like not, not, you know, sexually like hot characters, like really great character, kick ass. Let's use kick ass. That really accentuate the, 
Marvel Cinematic Universe and really kind of give it some awesome depth. And I'm glad to see that they move forward with these characters. And I really want to see what they're going to do with Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think she'll show up at the end of uh, Shang-Chi? I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with the with that world to know if the worlds cross over at all. Do you? Yeah. Well, it, it's going to be part of the, the, the cinematic, the phase four, right? So okay. Shang-Chi... Uh, is going to be part of the whole Eternals. I guess Eternals is going to kind of be like the lead uh, aspect of phase four and Shang-Chi will somehow get involved with that. So I imagine with the television universe, I guess, then with Thunderbolts, I guess Thunderbolts will be kind of like a a TV show, I'm sure. Uh, So I imagine that somehow they can, they'll integrate her at least into uh, the end credit or maybe they'll just lead in with like something from the Eternals. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Did you catch any other Easter eggs? I actually, I usually go in and I usually look for Easter eggs afterwards, but I did not have the opportunity to do that yet. So I went back and I watched it a second time. Yeah. <laughs> and so I maybe I had a little bit more of a, an opportunity to, to catch some things. But in the opening scene, when Natasha's family is being chased out of their Ohio home uh, back in 95, and they're being pursued by the authorities. That's actually a, a caravan of shield jeeps. Yes. Oh, I did notice the, the yeah. shield shield logo. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, okay, that's that's cool. So, so. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I'd mentioned the the fanny thing, and I actually I think there's you know I think there's probably, gosh, another ten or so that uh, that are out there. Um, there's the, the reference to the the North Institute. When and that's where the Red Guardian had stolen the the disc of tech secrets in the beginning, right. and that was initially a Shield Institute that had been infiltrated by Hydra, and I think it, it may have been infiltrated by Hydra at, at that time, but that uh, that institute that was that was from Shield as well. So I uh, I'm glad that you remember some of that stuff, or that you're you're catching up. Well, on I some watched of that it a second time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, any other Easter? Eggs and I'm also you know watching about? Shield right now as well yeah. too. So, so it's, okay, yeah. And I mean, you blew through it so quickly, and but I'm still continuing to watch it right now. Yeah. And so that those little things were were just standing out to me. Yeah, interesting. I'm gonna have to do some research on that for sure. Uh, I love I love Easter eggs, and there's so many Easter eggs in all the shows and all the movies. Okay, so I'd say probably we've got we've got one thumbs up for this movie, one thumbs down. I give it. I give it a half a thumb. Half a thumb. <laughs> there we can just. We're just gonna cut it off. You're gonna get my grandfather's thumb. He had a half a thumb. <laughs> you, you get the old Grandpa Stewart. That meant something else when we were kids. But I'm. Performance-wise, the first the first portion of the film was phenomenal. That's Directorial. the first half thumb right there. That's the first half thumb, and then the rest of the movies gets the thumb down. Just, I mean, yeah, one you, and a half you, thumbs. Elena gets Elena gets a full thumb up though, because she's great. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, we're very we're I mean, because we're always talking about things that we're interested in, we're always very excited about the subjects that we're talking about, and we do often have very positive reviews of things because because we like it we're psyched about it so this is good this is our first our first movie that we've we've disagreed on and i think that's great for our listeners as well it's great to show too that we have some variety and we we can think as well yeah 
Well, I mean, I can because I thought it was a great movie. Rob, on the other hand, he doesn't. But clear, clearly, you're clearly you're just fanboying. Talking about clearly, you're just fanboying over this friggin' movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of Scarlett Johansson. I'm a big fan of Black Widow. I really wanted them to do this movie five years ago, but that is not the reason I didn't like it. I just felt that it did not do her justice, and I felt that it was sloppy. But that first part, that first part was great. And Yelena, I love Yelena. I'm so glad. I think she's awesome. I want to see more of her. I think she is a fantastic, fantastic assassin. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I can't wait till she gets her own feature movie. Hopefully she does at some point. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. So, awesome. man, God, that was a good show. I yeah, think, so you know, that's another episode of How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement. Presented by Tribe74.com, your digital media experts. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Andrew, for hanging out again. Yeah, it was awesome. Peace out. Cheers. Cheers.